0: So tonight we're honored to have uh, Jordan Baker, who's gonna be uh, doing our teaching for us. I first got to know uh, Jordan just through a discipleship group or uh, like a mentoring group with younger prayer leaders that I was a part of. And uh, just immediately felt a real kinship for him, a real respect for his walk with the Lord. And uh, just, I think he has a wisdom Definitely, that's beyond his years. Um, And uh, since that time, Jordan has also gotten involved, not just in kind of the prayer movement, but also, and not just in a unity movement, because he's been involved in a citywide unity movement in his city of Mansfield, Ohio, but he's also gotten involved in disciple-making movements uh, just in the last several years. And so very excited to have Jordan share with us. Jordan, you've got uh, the rest of the hour. uh, If you just leave me five minutes at the end. That'd be great. Um, feel free to use it for speaking. Uh, if you want to have a time of prayer or question and answer, however you want to utilize it. But I'm just going to hand it over to you for, for the rest of our time tonight.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Can you hear me?
0: We can hear you loud and clear. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Yeah. This has been so amazing. I've been this is the first time Well, I've taught one other, one other 10 days this is the first time leading a prayer hour as well during 10 days. And that has been like blessing me every morning, waking up at 530 AM here and praying with people from all over the world has just been so beautiful. So I feel a real heart connection with this, with this ministry. And yeah, what what we're doing here in our city, this is like global scale. And so that's, I, I love seeing that people coming together uh, and praying. And so um, yeah, what Jonathan said is, is spot on. So the, for the past six years, my wife and I, we've been leading um, a house of prayer and a citywide prayer and worship ministry here in, in Mansfield, Ohio. And so in, in 2019, I'll just give a quick background before I get into the teaching. Uh, I really like sharing just practically where the Lord has me in my life. And so sometimes some context can help. So in 2019, we saw a real breakthrough with unity here in our city. Um, we had over, we had 60 churches come together. Um, for about 60 days of worship and prayer at their respective um, buildings. O- over 7,000 local believers here joined together for two months of prayer in 2019. And so that's really what we had been praying for for years was unity in the body of Christ, that believers would come together. We had 23 denominations represented. It was amazing. Jesus moved, the Holy Spirit moved It's like two months of just, like discovering long lost family members that live in the same city, but we never met one another. And so it was just a beautiful time in the Lord. Um, And then immediately after that, God began speaking to me about returning to the simple expression of following Jesus. And so I fell in love with this portion of scripture in acts two, verse 42 through 47. I'm just going to read it real briefly. And so this is before COVID before the world shut down. God was speaking to our whole community out of out of these five verses in Acts for about eight months, um, and God changed our life with these five verses here. So Acts two, starting here in verse forty-two, this is what we see after Pentecost, right? This is what we're what we're praying in now. We're praying in the ten days leading up to Pentecost. And so we see um, when Pentecost comes, the believers receive power from the Holy Spirit. But then we also see literally the birth of Jesus's church, the birth of Christ's church. And I I believe the birth, the way something comes into the world is very, very, very important. And so this is how we see the church come into the world. When we look here in verse 42 in Acts 2, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So that last verse, our our leadership team here, that last verse convicted us so deeply when we were spending time in the book of Acts, and we were coming out of this season of seeing great unity in the church, something that we had prayed for, and then it's just like God, that when you see one prophetic word come to pass, he's like, oh yeah, buddy, there's so much more. So much more I'm inviting you into. And so we saw this, this prophetic word come to pass here in our city that we saw large scale unity across the body of Christ. And then um, I received a word from the Lord that what we pioneered with the march of prayer. And um, this is what it was. It's during March and April where all of our local churches come together for two months of daily prayer. I'm in daily fellowship with one another. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, what what you pioneered with the march of prayer, you will now pioneer with disciple making. And I had absolutely no idea what that meant at all. Zero clue. Making disciples, I thought it's just something that happens with young believers and they come into your church and you disciple them and you mature them and you see them grow up. And so I had no, that that was really my only grit for disciple making. And so it, it was around this time Um, that God asked us this simple question. And then COVID came three months after this. He said, if you were to take away your Sunday gathering, what is your plan to fulfill the Great Commission? Take away your Sunday gathering, the time that you meet on Sunday mornings, and what is your plan to fulfill the Great Commission? And I had no answer to God. (laughs) I had no answer to him. And I realized that much of my understanding of making disciples had revolved around a church gathering. And there's nothing implicitly wrong with that. But then three months later, when COVID came and thousands of churches are closed all over the world, this question stood out even more. Take away the Sunday gathering and how will you fulfill? How will you respond to the Great Commission? And so really where where we have been and what I'm going to be speaking about today is I believe we are in a time, we're seeing it here in our region, and I've even talked to some other leaders, even globally and regionally, that are seeing it as well, that I believe we're coming to a place where there's going to be a a marrying or a coming together of the, the intercessor and the disciple maker. And I believe in the days ahead, the people that pray the most will make the most disciples, and the people that make the most disciples will pray the most. And there'll be this coming together of the prayer movement and the missions movement, and we'll see disciple making become the byproduct of prayer. And so this is really how the Lord has been moving here in our community and has been moving here in our lives. And so the catalyst for wanting to move out and to see disciples made in our community came as we were researching just practically how many uh, how many people are unreached within a one-hour drive. And so I would really, really encourage you, if you've never done this, most places have census information for how many people live in your area. We were shocked to find out that within one hour of where I live, that it's close to 3 million people who who do not know Jesus. Three million people who, who do not know Jesus, who have not given their lives to the Lord. And this number startled me. And this number sobered me to there is three million people within an hour drive that have not either heard about Jesus or had an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And so we spent a lot of time praying about this and we began to receive God's heart for the lost. And we begin asking the Holy Spirit, what is your solution, right? So we were burdened by this problem of there's three million people within an hour of us who don't know you. What is your solution for this, God? It's We know that it's your will that all will come to repent and faith in you. So what is your solution? And It's around this time that we begin hearing testimony of what God is doing in Iran. I'm sure many of you also um, know what's happening in Iran. It's the fastest growing church in the world. And so we were really blessed to connect with some leaders in Iran and some actually some leaders in America who are pioneering disciple making movements as well. And this this was around the time that we were hearing of how even in Iran, the largest disciple making movement, maybe since the book of Acts, is erupting in the most unlikely place in the world. And so we began to pray and intercede. Um, and, and receive God's heart and God's strategy to see people reached. And so what we've been doing here in our community is exactly what they're doing in Iran. It all revolves around Jesus's teaching in Luke 10 and Matthew 10. So we place a high, high, high value on prayer and devotion to prayer, which is why I love talking with intercessors and prayer people here on this call, because when you, you cannot compel someone to have a heart for the lost, it's God that gives you the heart for the lost. And so when you find someone who is, who is willing to spend a lot of time praying, they probably have a high value on God's heart and reaching the lost. And so um, yeah, a high, high value on prayer and devotion to prayer The second is finding what we call a person of peace. So someone who opens up their community, who opens up their household to the gospel. And so this was a big pivot for us to make here is instead of just engaging individuals, engaging whole households and and finding a person of peace that would open up their whole household. And And then we preach the gospel of the kingdom and then we invite them to obey Jesus and share him with others. And so the main portion of what I want to share today is the role of prayer and making disciples, the role of prayer, and how does, what I've, what I've seen in my own life in the past year, I just want to speak from what God has, has been doing in my own life, and believing that it will, that it will touch, and it makes sense, hopefully, at least makes sense <laughs> as well, and so the role of prayer with disciple making, the most convicting and awesome thing about the life of Jesus to me, is that he only ever did and said what the Father was doing, and what the Father was saying, only ever, right? He never one time stepped outside of the will of his father. And so he valued prayer and fellowship with his father above everything else. And there there was nothing that anyone could give to Jesus that the father had not already given to him. He lived in this place of just full identity, beloved identity with the father, just so in love with his father, just valued fellowship with the father above everything else. And so what we're seeing is like everything else in the kingdom of God, it's generally backwards. And so the best disciple maker who ever lived, Jesus, he was not focused on making disciples. He was focused on doing the will of the father. He was focused on doing the will of the father, saying what the father was saying and doing what the father is doing. And so what happens a lot, especially with people that are passionate about church planning and disciple making is that we can just become consumed with making disciples and church planning and not consumed with doing the will of the Father. And so, yes, it is the, the will of the Father that, is, that disciples are made and that churches are planted, but we must be careful that we just keep our hearts in this tender place of we only do what we see the Father doing and we only say what we hear the Father saying. One of my favorite verses about the life of Jesus is here in Luke 15, um, or Luke 5, starting in verse 15 through 16. Luke 5, 15 through 16. It says, but now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear, to hear him and healed them of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. He would withdraw to desolate places of prayer, right? And so in times of what we would call great revival, (laughs) there's crowds gathering, everyone's being healed, everyone's being healed of their infirmities. Reports about Jesus are spreading throughout entire places. We see the heart of Jesus here that he would withdraw by himself to desolate places to pray. And so even in times of powerful ministry, even in the times of answered prayer, Jesus still recognizes that the most important ministry that will ever happen is between him and his father. The most important ministry that will ever happen in our lives is between us and our father who is in heaven. And so as we are engaging the lost, what we've been seeing in our community is that as we engage the lost, God actually brings you into this place of where you have to fellowship with him. You have to, because you don't have the answer to people's problems. I'll tell you the past, the past month of my life, um, I have had to rely on God in a way that I've never had to rely before, because here's the reality is that the harvest is really, really messy. It's really, really messy. And there's people that have a lot of problems and there's people that are really sick and there's people that are really hurting and have so much trauma. And so we have to come into this place of relationship with the father where we would only do what he is doing and only say with what he is saying. And so what the most unexpected thing that has happened in the past year of my life as I've been living intentionally daily as, as, engaging the lost every day, my wife and I, making intentional time every day to be out among the lost and intentionally engaging them um, with the gospel or with service or just with simple love conversation. The, the most unexpected thing that has happened is that I have the most vibrant relationship with Jesus that I've ever had in my time with him as a believer. And in my time as a believer, I have never had a more vibrant relationship with Jesus than the past year in which I've been engaging the lost. And so what I am finding is that as we do the will of God and engaging people that don't know him, right? This is the ultimate will of the Lord. in second Peter, it's his will that none shall perish, but that all would come to repent and faith in him. And so as we've been engaging the lost, not just me, but even members of our community here, my wife, It's been just amazing seeing everyone fall more in love with Jesus as we're engaging the lost. And so that was not something that I expected was going to happen. I I just thought, Jesus, we're just trying to fulfill the Great Commission. We're just trying to be obedient to you. And one ended up happening is that we've all fallen more in love with Jesus ourselves. (laughs) And so it was a very unexpected thing to happen. But this is why I'm so passionate on sharing now about this convergence of prayer and, and fellowship with the Lord, but also with disciple making, because I realized that the relationship that I always long to have with God comes as I'm in, being intentional with doing the will of God. And so not just praying, but also going in response to those prayers, going to the peoples and um, our communities that are lost. that don't know him. It just makes sense at all. Are we? Yeah. Okay. So I have, um, again, I just so fully believe that there is a, a time coming within, within the global body of Christ now where there is going to be a convergence between prayer and worship and missions and disciple making. And so we've seen it here in our, in our own communities that as we live intentionally to engage the lost, um, we have a deeper heart to pray. And it and honestly just becomes not an option to pray. It's that you you have to pray because God has you in situations where if He does not come and move, um, nothing happens. And so, uh, another major, just to come back to disciple making and prayer, another major focus that we have been really pressing into is praying, praying, and, and going to the places that that God sends us to. I'll share a quick testimony. This is the first time this has ever happened in my life. And so I was challenged by um, one of my leaders to spend time in the morning praying for God to reveal where peop- where specific people are at that I need to engage and that I need to meet. This is, was a very new idea to literally pray, God, will you physically show me where somebody is at, a location that I need to go to? And so I, I prayed and this big like, It's in my city. It's a big trash heap, It's just where people dump trash, couches, chairs, refrigerators, car parts, just a big neglected place in the middle of our city. And this place came to my mind. And so no one's ever there. There's no reason for anyone to ever be there. Just a big garbage hole in the middle of our city. And so this place comes to my mind and I'm like, okay. so I get in my car and I go there. And again, only doing what I what I see the father doing, only saying what I hear the father saying. There's a man there cleaning up the trash heap. I've never seen anyone here before. There's a man here cleaning up the trash heap. And so I at first I drive by it like and then I put my car in reverse and reverse back. And I'm like, okay, no, God, I just need to be bold (laughs) to be confident in in what you're doing. So I get out of the car and I said, hey, my name's Jordan. I think God sent me here to meet you. What do you think about that? Dude just starts crying, opens up to me about his whole life, starts sharing, receives prayer. Um, wants to discover more about Jesus wants to discover more about the Bible. And so this is really when it be, we began realizing the importance of prayer with disciple making is that Jesus can literally show us the locations of people Jesus can literally show us, uh, right. Even as we see Jesus, he's so intentional with the places that he goes to because he only goes where the father tells him to go. And so, um, Another big change in our ministry here um, when it comes to making disciples and how that plays in with prayer is Jesus's call to teach obedience. And so we see in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, he commissions his disciples to go to all of the nations to baptize them. And then he says this, that I never had caught until this past year, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And so, what we have found is that teaching obedience is a lot different than teaching knowledge. Teaching obedience is a lot, lot different than teaching people knowledge about God. And the most beautiful thing that I've seen is as we have taught obedience to non believers, we are literally seeing miracles in people's lives. We're literally, see, we literally seeing people apply obedience to Jesus, to their lives, and literally seeing miracles happen in people who who don't know Jesus. And so we want to teach people not just knowledge about God, we want to teach people obedience to God, because this is what Jesus told us to do in Matthew 28. He said, go into all the nations and teach them to obey me. And so uh, a verse that I want to look at here really briefly is Luke 6, verse 46 through 49. Luke 6, verse 46 through 49. Jesus is speaking and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a house arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the streams broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And so here in verse 47, we we see Jesus tell us to do three things. Come to him, hear him, and do his words. Come to him, hear him, and do what he has instructed us to do. So this is the model. This is the if you will, this is the strategy that we're using with the lost. And it's exactly the teaching that we have received um, and, and some discipling that we've received from some church leaders in the underground church is that we don't wanna just teach knowledge, we wanna teach obedience. And so we wanna invite people to come to Jesus through proclamation of, of the gospel. We want to invite people to hear Jesus by the reading of his word. And we wanna invite people to obedience that they would see a real change, a real tangible change in encounter with God as they would obey him. And so what we're finding is that the single best way to teach obedience is to live an obedient lifestyle, right? And so the single best way for us to teach obedience is for us to obey Jesus. <laughs> that's that's the best way. The single best, there's no better way. The best way to teach someone to obey Jesus is for you to obey Jesus yourself. And so what we have realized here in our community is that especially within, in, within charismatic churches, which at least here in my community, a lot of us are affiliated with, um, more spirit-filled Pentecostal type churches, which I love it. I love it all. Um, our fear of legalism has caused us to forget and to neglect the benefits of obedience. We are so fear we're so we don't want to be legalistic. And and that fear of legalism has caused us to forget actually the blessings of obeying God, right? There's so many blessings that come by obeying God. One of the blessings that Jesus tells us in John six is that when we obey him, that the Holy spirit would come and make his home in us, right? That's a, that's a pretty big blessing. That's a pretty big promise of God that when we would obey him, that the father would send his spirit to come and make his home on the inside of us. And so um, another paradigm shift that we're realizing here in our community is that in our, at times when we were just doing evangelism, how we had always been trained to do evangelism, um, is that in our rush to, to get someone to say yes to a gospel presentation, we actually never really give them the chance to obey God. We never give them the chance to actually obey God. We just rush someone to say a prayer after us. We, we rush someone to hurry up and say yes to Jesus. And we never give them the opportunity to actually obey him in their lives. And so what happens is exactly what Jesus tells us here in Luke six, verse 46, is that they hear, but they don't obey. And so when the storms of life come, the fall of their house is great. The fall of their life is great because they've They have heard, but they have not responded with action. And so as I've looked back over the past five years um, of the way that I was inviting people to to follow the Lord, I realized I was never really inviting anyone to obey Jesus. I was just inviting them to receive forgiveness, but I was never inviting anyone to actually obey him. Right. And, And then maybe accept him and then come to my church. Right. (laughs) That's it. Accept him and they come to my church. But I love that Jesus, he, he never he never says and it's not wrong to invite someone to church. Right. But I don't think Jesus's idea of fulfilling the Great Commission is inviting people to church. It's inviting people to obedience to him. That's that's Jesus's idea. Of fulfilling the great commission is inviting people to obedience to him and so obedience isn't scary obeying god is a blessing obeying god is beautiful and when we obey god um I have just seen such a tangible change in my life and in the life of my wife, the life of my children, the life of everyone in my church community. As we have just said yes to God, we've had a deepened desire to pray, a deeper desire to fellowship with him. And then it's also amazing just seeing the Holy Spirit move in people. And so um, another thing that that God has really been speaking to me about is coming alive to God's dream. And so I I love that there's people from so many different nations on this call tonight, because I believe that this is God's dream. And so um, we've been saying death to our dreams and come alive to God's dreams. That's that's what we want. Death to our dreams, come alive to God's dreams. And so God's dream is Revelation 7, Revelation 7, verse 9 through 10, Revelation 7, verse 9 through 10. This is God's dream. Thank you guys for putting all of the scripture in the, in the chat. So this is God's dream is revelation seven, verse nine through 10. So I'm going to read this here real quickly. It says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and so the reason that we make disciples is simple it's because Jesus is worthy of a reward this is why we make disciples it's not it's not to build churches it's not to build our ministries yes these things are amazing but the reason that God wants to give us a heart for disciple making is because the father believes that his son is worthy of a reward in every place. The father believes that his son is worthy of an inheritance in every place in every people and every tribe and every tongue. And so I've just determined in my heart, and I, I feel the Lord's invitation even to the body of Christ to determine in our hearts that we will bring him a reward that he is worthy of that we will bring him what he died and what he paid for. And so this is this is the father's dream is that the son would be honored and glorified by all people. And the question is this is how many people from your people group do you want to see in this revelation 7 scene, right? And so it's going to happen, right? This is this is this is not a maybe. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 is going to happen. There are going to be people, a multitude so great that no one can even number it, right? From every nation standing before the throne of God. And so God wants to enlarge our vision for our cities. This is what we begin to realize here in our community is that we have been impressed with relatively little fruit. We've been impressed. So here here in my city, I know there's a lot of different nations represented in America, we are seeing a very slow but steady decline of Christianity here in America. And so, here in my city, there's about 28% of people that that say that they're followers of Jesus. And so, that means that there are 72% of people in my area who are not followers of Christ. And in America, for the first time since its founding we have just went below 50% of people who regularly attend a church gathering. And so that's that's not even talking about an actual disciple. That's just someone who attends a church gathering like consecutively a couple weeks in a row. And so God wants to enlarge our visions and he began to speak to us about this is and have you ever had those stings from God? This is one of those stings with God. And it was son you've been impressed with relatively small fruit you've You've been impressed with twenty two percent of your people group. you've been you've been okay with twenty two percent of your people group, right? you've been you've been fine. And so in my area, um, a church of ten thousand is unheard of. for for there to be one church where there's ten thousand people, that that would be completely unheard of. And that's only 1% of my people group. That's 1%. And so God wants us to enlarge our vision. And I think the way forward, what we're going to see is a return to this Acts 2, verse 42 through 47 reality is really the harvest is so great that there is going to be a necessity to meet from house to house. The harvest is so great that there, it will, there will not be a building that you can fit this harvest into. It will require us to go small so that we can go big. And so this is why, back to the point of it all, the reason that we make disciples is not to build our ministries or for our personal glory. We make disciples so that Jesus would get what he is worthy of, which is praise from every corner of the earth, praise from every corner of the earth. This is why we make disciples. And so the Lord gave me a word a couple months ago. And he said, there's a, a, I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have my journal to say it exactly. I'll paraphrase this word that the Lord gave to me. And it was that there is a shifting coming within the body of Christ, where we've been in a time where many have branded him. Many have began to brand Jesus for their own ministries and for their own glory. And the Lord spoke to me that there's a new generation of leaders that are coming that have been branded by him. We won't, we will not brand and commodify Jesus anymore, put Him in this, Nice little package that we can sell on Sunday mornings. Jesus said he is going to begin himself. He's going to place his seal, right? His brand, Lord, place, place your love as a seal upon my heart. And that he is branding the body of Christ to do this work of disciple making. But it will not be how we have seen before. It will not be to build ministries. It will not be for our own glory. It will be for the glory of the Lamb. And it will be done by people that are branded by him, that literally have the seal of the Lord placed and branded upon their heart. And so this must be the posture of disciple making. Every other posture will lead to an inward focus. Every other posture leads to I'm making disciples to build my church. I am making disciples to build my ministry. I'm building. I'm making disciples to say this is how many people I've discipled. The only thing that works. The only thing that is an outward focus is that we look to Christ as the reason, because He is worthy. He is worthy of disciples from every corner of the earth. This is what Jesus is worthy of.